Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. All right, good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this Friday, the 5th of November. If you missed the far- Friday Farm Report, we did it at the uh, open of the first hour. So you want to go back and grab that uh, listening on demand at MyFaithRadio.com. You can also do that on the Faith Radio app. We also talked at the open of the first air- hour about the reality of pain in our lives and how we um, process that as Christians and how we have an opportunity to reach out to others who are in pain and comfort them with the comfort with which we have been comforted in Christ Jesus. Um, You are a person of influence. You are a person of influence because you are proximate to Christ and you are proximate to people. So I want you to think about that for just a moment. I want you to think about your proximity to Christ, who you are in Christ Jesus, yoked to Christ Christ in you and you in Christ, the proximity you have to Christ, and then the proximity that you have to people who know him not. That makes you a person today of incredible influence. You are like the linchpin, right, in terms of the gospel access that God might choose to use today to pursue someone with his love and his grace. So I want you to just consider for just a moment where you are right now in proximity to Christ. Have you been in the word of God today? Are you in the word? Are you abiding in him? Do you recognize that it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in and through you, that God might be working out his purpose in this world through you as an agent of his grace, a minister of his reconciling love, a person of peace, an ambassador of his kingdom. Like, that's who you are. In Christ, that's who you are. So that makes you a person of great influence because of your proximity to Christ. But the influence that you bear is is in the other direction. It is into the lives of people to whom you are proximate. So, right, those people right there in your sphere of influence, that's why we call it a sphere of influence, um, who don't know Christ. You are strategically placed today in proximity to people who don't know Jesus. Why? Because you do know Jesus. Like, this is literally how the Great Commission works. And you say to yourself, I am, I mean, you know, because we're so good at making excuses. We're so good at yabbit, 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 yab, yabbit, yab. So anyway, I do this thing with, uh, I have a grandchild who I have come to just every once in a while say, okay, um, I don't want to hear from the yabbit rabbit. Like, I I don't, I don't want any more yabbit, 
yab it, yab it, yab it. I, I want, I, I want us to think about the confidence we have and the opportunity we have and the resources we have. I don't want to hear the, I don't, no more yabbits. No, no more, no more excuses. Mm-mm. Instead, I would like to be cultivating a spirit and an attitude and a conversation in, in respect to all of the downer Debbie stuff going on in the world. I want us to not be the yabbit people, but the but God people. But God, but God, but God. Like, pain is real, but God is greater. Death is real, <laughs> but God has dealt with it. My resources are limited, but God is not. You see how this works? So no more yabbit, no more yabbit. Let's start being the but God people. Let's be recognizing that we are people of influence because of our proximity to Christ, yoked to him, in him, in Christ, abiding in Christ, walking our faith out into the world that, that God so loves and doing so on purpose and for a purpose, that we would influence the people around us who are proximate to us but don't know Jesus. You are, you know, what you've got is contagious, um, and that's faith. So be a person of influence today between these two currently disconnected realities, the Christ in whom you live and abide and find your being and the world who knows him not. All right, we got Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families plugged in. Next, we are going to review some of the movies, oh, and some of the other stuff that's going on in the culture today. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. spirit of interchangeable parts that I am not always aware of. Paul Acey is here from Focus on the Families Plugged In, not Adam Holtz. Paul, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. I wish I could do a good Adam Holtz interpretation no. or it, it, imitation, but it's just not going to happen this early in the morning, I'm afraid. You're you're just fine. You're just fine. We're so thrilled to have you here. All right. So um, <laughs> the Eternals, I got to tell you, I have been seeing... Um, uh, you know, the trailer, the previews for the Eternals, and every time I see it, I think to myself, we have fooled ourselves yet again. But tell us what this is about um, and the claims it makes. Man, I tell you what. So The Eternals, it is the newest movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, obviously, Marvel has just been able to print money, essentially, with their movies lately, and they've, they've turned out tons and tons and tons of films. This one is a little bit different. Uh, they, they're trying to introduce new characters, uh, very unfamiliar characters, and, and, and this is these are sort of the, a new group of superheroes that, that Marvelites have to pay attention to. Um, and it's a very strange spiritual mix. So, so the setup essentially is this. The, the, the story is almost, it sort of begins as a creation story, almost a Genesis-like creation story, where the entire universe was built by these creatures known as the Celestials. Now, their creation was sort of messed up by these creatures from quote-unquote deep space called the Deviants, who come down 
and invade these planets and eat up everything on the planets, which the Celestials, of course, don't like because they spent a lot of effort creating these worlds. So, so they create the Eternals, these immortal beings with superpowers to fight the Deviants. That is their only job. They do not take part in other people's affairs. They do not do much else but fight deviants. And so uh, we learn that these Eternals have been fighting deviants on the planet Earth for a good long while. They took care of all of them uh, about 500 years ago, and they got a little bit bored, and they didn't know what to do with themselves. So they started living normal lives, just waiting to be called back to whatever their next assignment was. As it turns out, the Deviants were not gone. A couple of them come back, and the Eternals have to jump back into the fray and deal with it. Uh, it's a very strange story. Just the setup, it makes you feel like you're, you're going to school to try to figure out what's going on. It's a long movie. Uh, it's complicated. And because we're dealing with a creation story and such powerful beings— we're dealing with a lot of spiritual messiness. Um, obviously, this is not a creation story plucked right from Genesis. Uh, right. You do have to walk through some some kind of weird spiritual side notes that, that you find here, uh, and that makes it pretty problematic. It also has a little more sensuality than I think parents would be used to in a Marvel cinematic flick. You do see a, a gay kiss on screen, uh, which is a first for Marvel's world. So these are all elements that make the Eternals just a little bit more problematic for parents to take their kids to, even if they're very familiar with, uh, with the Marvel universe. All right. I do think that when we're when we're having conversations uh, about this subject matter, I do think it gives us the opportunity to talk about who and what is really eternal. It gives us an opportunity to talk about the real creation story, the question of the existence of evil, the emergence of an evil character on the scene, um, the persistence of evil periods of time when that character um, has been denied, like that evil doesn't exist anymore, you know, and people have gotten lackadaisical um, and, and just gone to, quote, living normal lives, um, acting as if evil is not persistent and does not exist. And then the wake up call that comes that we're still under a persistent threat of evil. It's just been lurking and stalking um, right there on the periphery and, and every once in a while uh, rears its ugly head. And it's an existential crisis when, when right. that happens. So I think yeah. that I think that in terms of a conversation, um, there's good fodder here. Obviously, it's not a storyline that's consistent with Scripture, but that doesn't mean that biblically informed people can't engage with this material in a really substantive way. Is that fair? I think that that is fair. And the other thing that this uh, this movie brings to the surface is it, it – and this, again, is sort of a good and bad thing. It depends on how you approach it. What we find is the Celestials may not have Earth's best future in mind necessarily, uh, and you have sort of this this battle even within the internals uh, as to whether Celestials are worth actually obeying or not. So you have some elements that I think do – Filter into our Christian walk in some ways where where sometimes we struggle to know what is going on with God's plan. Why do we not understand um, everything about it? We, and we can struggle sometimes with that. That that does manifest itself within this movie as well. Um, 
but it's a very delicate, difficult walk to to sort of deal with some of those spiritual questions. It can be a really, really fruitful conversation, um, but it's a conversation that I th- I think parents should probably have with their kids if they decide to go. All right, we're talking with Paul Ac from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. We're going to turn our attention to. Um, uh, some things beyond what is posted at PluggedIn.com. So I'm going to send you there for more movie reviews. Um, but I want to um, plumb with uh, Paul questions about Meta. Um, so if you have a Facebook account um, or if you've ever heard of Facebook, then you need to understand <laughs> what Meta is because Meta is coming. And I want to understand more about it. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We are talking with Paul Acey from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Um, all right, Paul, I am looking at a piece that you wrote that is posted at PluggedIn.com, and it is on uh, everything that I need to know about Meta. So it's heavy Meta, what you should know about Facebook's big change. For people who um, don't know anything about the subject matter area, but who have heard of Facebook, what <laughs> what is Meta? Oh, man, I tell you what, Meta is the new name for Facebook's umbrella organization. What was Facebook? Uh, Still is Facebook. It's also Instagram. It's WhatsApp. It's it's a lot of different different uh, outreaches within within the 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 Internet. Um, You have this new umbrella organization that is sort of overarching all of that and they and Mark Zuckerberg the uh, the CEO of Facebook has renamed that umbrella organization Meta uh it refers to the metaverse which is more a concept than a reality right now but but Zuckerberg and a lot of other people are super excited about the possibilities of the metaverse and essentially what the metaverse is is sort of a digital world a new digital world that 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 Zuckerberg and others think that we will be utilizing a lot to gather to shop to go to concerts, to go to sporting events digitally. We will all have these these avatars, these these personalized avatars where we can walk around this digital world and do pretty much whatever we would do in the physical world. Now, as as kind of an old school guy, I kind of wonder why you would need to walk around in the digital world, but but that's just me. I'm old, so I I wouldn't necessarily wouldn't necessarily appeal to me. But but okay, but so Zuckerberg just, and others are. So let me answer that question because I can appear. I feel confident. I mean, I don't you know I don't live there yet, but I feel confident. I could show up. Uh, my avatar could show up in Prada and completely all put together, and I could be at home in my ponytail and my pajamas. <laughs> it's true. That is so this true. is so. I mean, I just say that like I. There is going to be, I mean, for as for as unreasonable as people listening right now think this is, that, that we're going to move into this meta reality or this metaverse reality, um, it is incredibly seductive to oh, imagine yes. that I would never have to leave. 
the comfort of my jammies and and my she shed or whatever, my little fireplace with my feet set up, you know, my I'm you know, right? I, I don't ever have to go anywhere. I literally don't ever have to go anywhere and I can go everywhere. There that is seductive. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And and as an introvert, you know, I I don't like going outside of my house a lot of times anyway. So so the idea I can understand the appeal, quite frankly. But at the same time, I think that that we inherently lose something, right? When we mm-hmm. live so much of our lives digitally, we lose a lot that that comes with that face to face. Uh, touch-to-touch contact that that we humans are, I I think, built for. Um, so it becomes, I think, it becomes sort of a, a problem. Like like any piece of technology that we have, there are some wonderful, wonderful upsides, and yet they come with some downsides that I wonder sometimes whether we've thought through enough. Yeah, um, I think that the argument, I mean, or the conversations, arguments, the wrong word, sorry, the conversations related to transhumanism um, are mm-hmm. really important to start having here um, because this integration of the person, the real person, in terms of our presentation as something more than human, as if that's possible and if that's as if that's good. Like, I think right. there are genuine genuinely good ethical conversations for us to start having and sooner rather than later because i can create an avatar that is far more perfect than i am myself right right absolutely and and that becomes problematic because i do think that that one of the things that we're taught in in christianity is to embrace ourselves to to understand both our strengths and our weaknesses and yes we're always trying to improve what makes us uh weak but but i think that the weaknesses that we have sometimes make us special and they give us opportunities to reach out to other people in different sorts of ways when we sort of manifest ourselves in these digitally perfect uh, guises, I think that there are, are serious problems with that. Um, in, in the blog, I, I was actually talking a little bit. I had just watched a Frankenstein movie the day before I wrote this blog. And I, I was thinking about how Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein was trying to build a new creation, a new life. And, uh, and what we see with the metaverse almost feels like they're building a new world, a world that is separate from the world that God created for us. And while there are some really exciting possibilities with that, it comes with dangers. And I think it comes with the fact that I think we can lose an essential part of ourselves if we if we just slip into this digital world too easily. I completely 100 percent agree. Um, All right. uh, Because this um, is I've now heard the term NFT a number of times in a number of environments um, do you, so this will be like, you know, the Friday word, word, I don't know, acronym <laughs> training session. What is an NFT and where might I be listening for conversations about NFTs today? You know, <laughs> the NFT world is a very fascinating one. What it, what it actually means, and this won't help at all. It's a non-fungible token. 
is what it's called. And essentially, these are digital products that are unique. You know, we, we live in a world where we can take pictures from the Internet and copy them and send them. And, and there's there's nothing unique about them. Where back in the old days, you would, you know, buy a signed baseball card and that would be unique. You would be the only one to own this particular card or whatnot. The, the NFT is essentially a way to do that digitally, where you can own products that no one else owns. Um, Quentin Tarantino is diving into this world. He is actually uh, releasing some some uncut scenes from Pulp Fiction as, as these NFTs, uh, as well as some some handwritten scripts. So he's diving into it. I was just reading an article, actually, that says uh, from, from EA, Electronic Arts, which is a game publisher, they're saying that collectible NFTs may be a really important part of their industry. So you find that these people are, are collecting these, these, these NFTs to have something unique, something special, something only they own, uh, which is something we don't really have in the digital world. It's an interesting, it's an interesting trend for sure. All right. People are um, noting that the 2009 Bruce Willis film Surrogates might be an interesting one to revisit as a part of the metaverse conversation. Um, another person saying are asking, have we seen upload? Um, all right. So, yeah, we uh, you guys are tracking with us. Paul AC uh, has seen like quadrillions. I don't even know if <laughs> Uh, of films and movies and shows, so I feel confident he is uh, he's tracking with you as well. we got to leave it right there, Paul. Thank you so much for joining us today. You guys can visit with him, read other reviews of what's going on out there in the big, wide world of entertainment at PluggedIn.com. We'll be right back. appreciate those of you who are texting in with your questions and comments. And um, for uh, Piran, who is giving me a full education um, on the text line this morning about NFTs and the multiverse, about which Piran knows a lot and I know nearly nothing. So thank you so much um, for for that. If you ever want to text me during the show, you can do so at 877-933-248. Eight four and yes uh, to Bob who um, is making a comment about avatars always being thin and therefore not often matching uh, us in reality. Yep, um, mm-hmm. I get that totally, one hundred percent. All right, do you think that you are too far gone for God to love? Do you think your marriage is too far gone for God to save? Do you think your family is too far gone for God to change? Well, I got a story for you. Greg Steyer joins us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. This is Max Lucado. Daniel was a young man when he was taken into Babylonian captivity. Later, he realized that the 70 years of prophesied captivity were coming to an end, and he took the matter to the Lord. Now, if any person deserved to be heard by God, it was he. Yet in the presence of God, this holy man offered a broken-hearted prayer. The prayer so moved the heart of God that an angel was sent with this message. From the moment you decided to humble yourself to receive understanding, your prayer was heard. That's Daniel 10 and verse 12. 
friend, the moment you bow your head to pray is the moment God lifts His hand to help. Your Heavenly Father wants to hear from you. Are you desperate without options? By no means. Now, more than ever, is the time to get down on your knees and plead for help. This is Max Lucado. All right, I totally appreciate um, those of you who are trying to help me better understand uh, the world and how it's changing on the text line today. It's like an education uh, right here in community, and so I I genuinely appreciate that. I think my brain is um, slightly too thick to quite understand NFTs this morning, but I am but I am seeking to do so. What are you trying to learn today? That's like just beyond the. Just seems like it just feels like it's just beyond the reach of your understanding. So let me invite you to uh, pause and pray and just ask God to, you know, give you give you the capacity today to understand something that you're trying to understand, and then ask God to bring you into, um, you know, into proximity to the to the right re- to the right information, right? Because not all information that's out there today is reliable. Not all sources are reliable. Not everybody is telling us the truth, and so we're going to have to have a real spirit of discernment. We're going to have to ask God to bring us into, uh, you know, into connection with the right people and the right information. Um, and then we it's got to be the right time. Like there's just times I can't learn something new. I just confess that. I just admit that. So um, so there you go. So thank you to those of you who are trying to help me out this morning. I really need it. All right. Greg Steer is with us now. You remember him. He has been with us before as the founder of Dare to Share ministries he's really driven to help activate christian teenagers to reach their friends and so i just genuinely appreciate greg's ministry he's really here today um, to talk about what god's done in his own life the book is unlikely fighter the story of how a fatherless street kid overcame violence chaos and confusion to become a radical christ follower greg welcome back to mornings with carmen hey so glad to be here so you are really, really transparent in this book. You are um, you tell stories that are, frankly, a little bit scary. So let's go there. Let's um, let's take people to the story you tell about your five year old self, that moment that your mom walked back into the house after confronting your stepdad. Yeah, you know, my you, you have those memories that are just seared into your soul, and my most vivid memory, uh, and my first memory was really uh, playing. I was playing on the porch in our high crime rate area. You know, every city's got a city within the city and a crime rate area, and that's where I lived. It was North Denver at the time, and a guy pulls up in a brand new car, and I looked, and it was a guy that my mom had buried. A while back and left us. We had no idea where he was. He left us. He's gone for months. Pulls up in a brand new car. I yelled inside, Mommy, Mommy, one of my daddies is here or something like that. And she looked out the window. She was smoking a cigarette, uh, doing the dishes. She asked for the bat, and I had a little plastic bat. She didn't want the plastic bat. She got the Louisville Slugger and just ran out screaming, cursing, knocked out his front windshields, took out his headlights, took off his side mirror, challenging him to get out of the car. Well, she's got you know, she's got five bodybuilding street fighting brothers that were known by the Denver Mafia as the Crazy Brothers. That was the nickname the Mafia gave my uncles. And they were all afraid of my mom because she could fight and she used a bat. And this guy got out of the car and she lit him up. And 
eventually limped back in the car. We never saw him again. He drove off, you know, bloodied and bruised. And I, I'm thinking to myself, a couple of things. One is, um, how did that cigarette never leave her mouth the whole time? I was pretty impressed with that, quite frankly. Two, um, I'll never disobey my mom again. And three is, why is she so angry at men? My mom had a shame-fueled rage that just drove her to acts of violence like that. And I found out later on why she had that shame. And, uh, you know, she'd been used and abused by a lot of men. And she met my biological father at a party. They partied. She got pregnant. He found out he got transferred 2,000 miles away. He was in the Army. And she got in her car. She drove from Denver to Boston under the pretense of staying with my Uncle Tommy and my Aunt Carol. He was in the Navy in Boston. And uh, she was going to have an abortion. She was going to have an illegal abortion. It was before Roe v. Wade. And my Uncle Tommy and Aunt Carol talked her out of it. And at eight months pregnant, she came back to Denver in shame, had me. Um, and I wondered for years why she would just look at me and start crying. Um and my grandma told me when I was 12 years old was because she almost aborted you. And to the day that my mom died, she never knew that I knew that she almost aborted me. And I didn't I didn't tie it into my sermons then or anything. I didn't want to shame her. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of rage, a lot of violence in my family growing up. And it was, you know, it was pretty traumatic uh, for a kid. And writing this book, you know, I, I'm a preacher. So when I preach, I use use two or three minutes of a story and then I preach. But when you write a memoir, you get in a time machine and you take the reader with you and you go back. And it was, man, I found myself just bawling my eyes out at times, like what in the world is happening? And it was very, you know, traumatic yet therapeutic for me to write this book. And I, I think people are going to really see the grace of God and the power of the gospel to change any family, any person, including me, including my violent uncles, including my shame-fueled mom. Greg, um, when we come back, I want um, I want to continue this uh, conversation, particularly about the process um, that God took you through in uh, in writing. Um, the book is Unlikely Fighter. Greg Steer is the author. Um, but Greg, one of the things that you just said, I mean, like that the process of writing this um, was in itself redemptive and i want to talk about um how how each of us could go back and kind of do what you have done and experience this exercise um even as we continue to talk about the book so i'm talking with greg steer the book is unlikely fighter we'll be right back Continuing our conversation with Greg Steer. Um, Greg, you know, there's somebody listening right now and they're thinking my um, my life is too much of a mess. My family's too far gone. God can't redeem this. Persuade them otherwise. Yeah, you know, it's not true. God can God can change everything. You know, it began in my family. My toughest uncle, my Uncle Jack, who literally looks like a beefed-up version of the Wolverine. I mean, he's he's he was just insanely violent, insanely strong. And uh, 
he choked two cops unconscious one time. We were trying to arrest him on assault charges. Who who does that? You know, how can you do that? I, he did. Um, in and out of jail his whole life. A preacher, a hillbilly preacher, whose nickname was Yankee, for whatever reason. This sounds made up, but it's true. I just talked to him yesterday. still alive, still preaching the gospel. On a dare, went to my Uncle Jack's house on a dare from a guy named Bob Daly. Knocked on my Uncle Jack's door. Jack came to the door, no shirt on, two beer cans, one for drinking beer, one for spit and chew. Talk like this, big lamb chop sideburns, toughest looking guy you could imagine. And he said, what do you want? He goes, I'm here on a dare from Bob Daly to tell you about Jesus. Well, he, he, he ends up getting in the house. In five minutes, he explains the gospel. My Uncle Jack had never heard it put that way. And Yankee said, does that make sense? And he goes, hell yeah, that was a sinner's prayer. Was hell yeah. He trusted Christ. He brought 250 people out to Yankees Church in one month. And it began a trajectory of transformation. My Uncle Bob came to Christ, uh, fully to Christ. He had actually trusted Christ as a kid, but had rebelled uh, in the back of a squad car after he beat a guy to death. And thank the Lord, they resuscitated the guy. He went to Florida Bible College. I could tell you story after story. It's all in the book, Unlikely Fighter. But behind it all, there was a praying grandma. My grandma had rebellious kids. And she prayed every day for their salvation, every day for their transformation. And when I was uh, 12 years old, I went to Yankees Church Youth Group. I was trained and equipped to share the gospel. That's why I got my passion with Dare to Share, to train students how to share the gospel. And uh, the number one person on my list was my mom. It took three years. I shared with her relentlessly. Finally, at the age of 15, I sat her down and I said, Ma, you know what? <clears throat> Jesus died for you. She goes, what about the really bad sins? I go, they're all bad. She goes, you mean to tell me all I got to do is put my faith in Christ because he died for my sins, and that's it. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I go, yeah. She took a drag from her cigarette, said I'm in. And uh, it took years. It was hard. There was another uncle that took 12 years to, to get. Don't give up. Pray for them. Care for them. Share the gospel out loud with words to them. And let the Spirit of God do his work. If God can reach my family, he can reach any family. He can reach your family. Greg Steer's book is Unlikely Fighter, the story of how a fatherless street kid overcame violence, chaos, and confusion to become a radical Christ follower. He's also uh, the founder of Dare to Share Ministries, um, where he really does activate and equip Christian teenagers to reach their friends for Jesus Christ. It's... um. It's really uh, uh, an astonishing, astonishingly effective ministry, um, and I want you to check that out as well. Uh, I want to talk about, um, you know, not only what you've seen and experienced, but I want you to um, take a moment to activate people who are listening right now. Um, because I think that that's one of your real giftings, Greg, is not just telling your own story, but activating others um, to recognize the power of their story and then press their, you know, in proximity, press where they are um, into the life of another person. Yeah, and and uh, be praying because actually in a week from tomorrow, we're we're doing Dare to Share Live, which is a free event. And we have almost 1,300 churches across the nation where youth groups will be simultaneously trained, equipped, and mobilized, activated to share the gospel. That's on November 13th, Dare to Share Live. And just be praying. Pray God would just use that in a powerful way because we got to activate. I think that's the key word. You know, 
James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. And I think a lot of times in Western culture, we love to exegete, but we don't love to execute. And um, so, you know, I would challenge everyone to think of one person in your life, the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart right now, who does not know Jesus, could be coworker, family, friend. And this week, begin a gospel conversation with them. Ask them, how can you pray for them? You know, that, that simple question, you all of a sudden become the priest in their world because they know who to go to when they have prayer requests. And then you can say, hey, where do you stand, you know, with God or, you know, church or, and just get in a conversation. And if you need help, I mean, go to daretoshare.org. It's a number two, daretoshare.org. I mean, we're like Liam Neeson and Taken. We have a very particular set of skills and it's to help people share the gospel. And also we have a free app called Life in Six Words and it's a numeric six right on your app store, Life in Six Words. If you can swipe and read, you can share the gospel. You just ask somebody, if you were to describe your life in six words, what would they be? And they choose from a list of 14 words, like words like adventure, money, you know, relationships, God, family. And then you say, tell me why you chose those words. And you hear their story. So you start by listening. And then you say, can I share with you my words? And then your, your words are pre-programmed. And it's a way for you to share your testimony. And then can I share with you God's words? And you take them through six words, God, our sins, paying everyone life, that go with six sentences um, that actually spell the acrostic gospel. And if you can swipe and read, you can share the gospel using the Life in Six Words app. So I'd encourage you to stop thinking about it, stop wondering when, and do it this week. Actually do it in the next 48 hours because studies show if you don't do what you learn in 48 hours, you'll never do it. So download the Life in Six Words app and go for it. And ask, you know, the great thing is you'll be scared to death which is perfect because it makes you depend on the Holy Spirit. And that's where the power is. You will receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. First sign of the indwelling Holy Spirit, he sets your tongue on fire for the gospel. So go for it this week. All right. I love that. Uh, the six words for those of you who are um, driving and you can't download the app until you get where you're going. Again, it's the Life in Six Words app, and it's the number six in there. God, our sins, paying, everyone, life. Those are the six words. You're going to um, walk through them. Um, there's a video if you go to lifeinsixwords.com, um, and there's opportunities there if you are still exploring um, or if you're ready to connect with God as well. Each one of these is a ministry of Dare to Share uh, that Greg uh, founded and oversees and fully participates in. So, Greg, um, I love that. Thank you so much. I'm going to download the Life in Six Words app when we get off the air, and I'm going to find a way uh, to use it this weekend because I totally 100% agree with you. We we have not we have no evidence that we've learned something. And if discipleship is lifelong learning, then you know the evidence that I am a disciple is that I have not only learned something and taken it in for myself, but I have shared it. I have made another disciple. A disciple isn't made until a disciple is made, I have heard someone say before. So I'm going to download the Life in Six Words app when we get uh, off the air, and I'm going to seek to utilize it this weekend. Like, I'm just going to commit to that, because if if I don't, then, right, I'm not really following through on the conversation that we're, that we're having right now. That's exactly right. And the Life in Six Words uh, website is actually for unbelievers. We have actually a, a training website for the app. It's li6w.com. 
um, for Life in Six Words, li6w.com. That's for the believers to know how to use the app or if they have any questions. It actually is in 12 different languages too, so you can just change the world icon and, you know, somebody speaks a different language and walk them through it. And uh, Or you can just go to your app store and look for Life in Six Words. And, Carmen, I'm proud of you. This is what we got to do. We have to put into practice what we learn and what we're inspired. And I encourage any pastors listening right now, Train your church how to do this. And again, we have free resources at daretoshare.org to help equip. You know, the church should be doing this. I was a pastor for 10 years. And, you know, my job as a pastor was not to do all the evangelism for everybody. It was to equip God's people for works of service. And so if you don't know as a pastor, because sadly, a lot of this stuff is not trained in seminary. I don't understand why. That's like not training somebody how to tackle on a football team. But um, this is what we do, daretoshare.org. We can hook you up and help you out. Amen. I just love it. Okay, so I am totally energized and excited. The book is is great, and it's a huge insight and encouragement. Um, the book is Unlikely Fighter uh, by Greg Steer, and that's spelled S-T-I-E-R, for those of you who are looking for Greg online. The easiest place to find him is at Dare to Share. And let me just really encourage and challenge each and every person listening. Download the Life in Six Words app. Let's test this out. Let's see, uh, let's see what God does by equipping and empowering us to actually go forth and take steps in the direction of the fulfillment of the Great Commission to those most proximate to us uh, in this life. Greg, thank you so very much, brother. This has been wonderful. You know, Carmen, can I say one quick thing? Sure. I don't know how God infused divine power into a stick that Moses used to, op- you know, raise above the Red Sea and open it, touch the Red Nile, turn it to blood, uh, touch the Nile, turn it to blood, launch the ten plagues. I don't know. It's above my pay grade. I don't know how God infused divine power into a message that when we proclaim it out loud with words, changes lives, but it works. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Amen. Greg Steer, thank you so much. Really appreciate you being with us today, man. Thank you. All right. Absolutely. All right. We are um, we are right at the end of our time together here on Mornings with Carmen. If you miss any portion of the conversation and want to share it with somebody else, uh, you can do so at MyFaithRadio.com. I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you to share the gospel this weekend. Let's be let's be praying grandmas. Let's be chatting with our friends. Let's be influencing the people we are most proximate to in this life that we might spend eternal life together with them. Let's love people enough to care that they're going to hell. Like, right? Okay, so there you go. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.